This is uh, Stephen Fisher. And John Sutton. And this is Quixotic. Um, we had a short little break. We took two weeks off the first week because John was being stupid and didn't want to drink, I guess, or something. Uh, the second week, I was sick. I actually got... For not wanting to drink. Stupid for not wanting to drink. Idiot. Exactly. Um, the, the second week, I actually got COVID. Um, I, I have survived. John called it the, a case of the sniffles. Um, I do think that it was a little bit rougher than the sniffles. Um, but, uh, I've recovered. I'm alive. I'm here. It's all that matters. So how about you? Have you gotten COVID yet, John? We've all had it. I don't know. We haven't all had it yet. That's just, that's, that's fake bullshit, you know, that's but, uh, I do think, it, I, do, I do think it's, it doesn't spread as easily. I've been exposed to it countless times and it literally happened while I was on a 30 minute walk with a friend uh, who had it and she had no clue she had it. So that's how it works people. But I don't think it spreads as easily as, as we think it does. I, I think that that's where the science is a little iffy. So I think you're wearing that long pink underwear from like those old movies. Uh, this is a fucking shirt. motherfucker. So. Yeah, I think I think it's a shirt that goes all the way down to your ankles. You know what? I'm fine with that. If it's comfortable, I don't care. I'm in my depressed stage. It's a, it's all right. Um, I get to be depressed, anyways. I've decided that I'm no longer talking about females that I'm interested in or dating on this podcast anymore uh, because I, I actually. I, I think that that is actually the bad luck that, that I end up with. Uh, I mentioned them on this podcast. Nobody really listens anyways, but it's nothing but bad luck. So I'm going to stop just talking about females that I'm dating in general. Talking to or whatever. Um, so on this week's podcast, uh, I got sick. And while I'm sick, I get bored. And unfortunately, when I get bored... I start hounding John about how dumb his choice in TV shows are is sometimes. And in this case, lost. Uh, now, when I get sick, I do become depressed and a little masochistic to my own self, and I decide to rewatch bullshit that is absolutely horrid. So I decided to start rewatching Lost. Uh, this started an interesting conversation about fan theories at Lost and all that stuff. I've decided that we should what allow John theory? to convince. <laughs> Anyways. I have decided that we should allow John to try to convince me that Lost is really, is truly one of the best written shows ever in the history of television. Um, And that by season six, it did not jump the shark completely. But we'll go ahead and start first with uh, with what we're drinking, uh, because I, I feel like that's that's the best way to start any podcast. And John is actually drinking. So, John, what are you drinking? What 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 uh, what cocktail did you I, make us late this evening? I I just made my go to dirty martini tonight. So. That's it. You said it was going to be boring. I mm-hmm. thought you'd spice it up a little bit more. I said I was going to go to the store to get a new one, but all the liquor stores were closed. So all right, well you have to get the new one. What? Really? Damn. Mm-hmm. Is that is that like just in your town? So so for anybody who doesn't, John lives in in I South look, Carolina, but he lives like far out of Charleston. Yeah. He doesn't live in proper, so he lives in the boonies. Yeah, way, way to way to give away my location. 
Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's gonna fucking bomb you. That's you know. I didn't. I didn't tell exactly which street you live on, Joan. Um, but where, like, so is that anyway. only? Is that in your town that it closes at seven, or is that just South Carolina? Every, everywhere that was close enough, I was gonna bother to drive to. It was just the case. I don't. I, I assume it's a state law. But. Interesting. Yeah, maybe just the county. I mean, South Carolina things are different, so who knows. <laughs> I can't imagine it's but like that in I Charleston. Any, I wasn't going to go all the way in the town for a couple of bottles of liquor. So, yeah, it's true. It's an hour drive for you. So, um, well, that's that's so, to get into Charleston, <laughs> not proper. not the outer, not to Somerville or anything like that. But yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, so, what is, what goes like? What do you put in your dirty martini? You explained this once, but we probably that podcast is long gone and it doesn't exist anymore. And uh, so, explain right it right now. This is vod- this is vodka, just because that's what I had. I actually prefer gin for martinis. I just I'm okay. out currently. And there's it's said when you like martinis dirty that gin's kind of a waste, but I still like it, I, even what even though I like my martinis very dirty. So it's just uh, right now vodka, dry vermouth, uh, olive brine, obviously. And then right now I'm using, instead of like manzanillas or green olives, I'm using Castel Vitratos, which are my new favorite olive. Mm-hmm. I just have to be careful because these are not pitted. So I have to remember that these are not pitted olives. Don't, don't well, I'll, just, I'll just I'll chomp. We'll end up, but you'll end up going to the dentist this evening. We'll have to cancel yes, this thing. I, I yeah. would. I'd have to find an emergency overnight dentist if I forgot that. <laughs> All right. Well, then, John, I will remind you when you're chewing on an olive that it is pitted. So, um, I'm about to. So, I'm already your <laughs> number one here. I make oh, two. Co- I make two cocktails for this podcast, and I'm already. One. He's already one one in. He, 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 he downed that pretty fast. I haven't even started my wine. All right, so uh, I am drinking a uh, – <laughs> I'm going to butcher this name. It's an Italian wine. Uh, it's a Monte Pulcino. Um, it is a – or it's the region it comes from, I should say. It's a little spicy. It's wonderful. Um, I bought it because I was dating a woman who uh, who suggested it. This was her favorite uh, varietal, um, and it was really good. But we tried on our date, so I figured, why the hell not? So I've so far, females have got like two females have gotten me into uh, um, uh, European wines, a Gamay, and now this. And so um, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep, maybe, uh, maybe I'll find that right female that, that decides to. Uh, Stick around uh, for good wine. I don't know. Um, so, anyways, yeah, it's what I'm drinking. Nothing special. Like a uh, dry martini. Um, it's nice though. It's it's nice. It's a little zesty. A little more zest than I like it. Not as fruity, but that's all right. All right, John. So we're going to talk Lost. Um. So I'll start, like anybody who doesn't know Lost, it was six seasons. Uh, it really did capture the attention of, I'd say, the United States when it came out. Uh, it was considered the most expensive pilot. In fact, I believe that the the executive who greenlit the project uh, was fired from ABC for greenlighting the project. 
now because it was the most expensive project, the most expensive pilot that they had to date. Um, for one, they had to film it in Hawaii, so it was all filmed there. Uh, two, uh, like just the plane crash and, and everything that they needed to stage uh, was beyond belief. And then, of course, the actors and stuff, the, the amount of actors that they, that they pulled on. So a uh, very risky venture. It paid off. Not unfortunate for that executive uh, who got fired. Um, but in the end, he was right. And I think that was fine. Uh, it was produced by J.J. Abrams, Carlton Coos, and uh, who's the, the the other guy? Dave, David Lindelof. David Lindelof, who's probably known now for uh, uh, what was it? The not the replacements. The what was what was the name of that TV show that he did with? Uh, uh, they were like left behind. They like the whole world like moves away. The, the leftovers. Moves away, the leftovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's probably more Which, well known for that's, that. I've watched. In, I watched the first episode of the last season, and we kind of stopped watching it. We were enjoying it. I yeah. do like the leftovers. I, I I think I saw two or three episodes of it, and it was it was interesting. Uh, but I, I get bored with TV shows now. Like I, I just don't feel like I have time to sit down and actually devote to them. And unless it, literally unless it's something that I can just turn on for noise, I really don't don't watch them anyway. So it's it's not worth my time. So because they if, if done well, they can develop a story more than a movie can, which is nice. I totally I agree with you. I agree with you. I just I just I like to spend my nights doing more, like playing bass or something. So um so it's you know, TV TV has not been my big thing unless I'm ill. Um I think it helped too being in uh, and being married at the time. So that's why Lost, I think, was easy to kind of gravitate towards. So um, so let's so let's talk about Lost. Um, so John is convinced that it is probably the greatest hour of television ever written. Um, it's, my, it's my favorite TV show. And your kids love it. Like when I was out there for Thanksgiving, your kids were like you were getting your kids into Lost. Um, yes. And they were excited about well, I, the two young da- your two daughters, but not your not your son. Your son was kind of yeah, but he would he would jump in and he'd get into an episode here or there. Okay, and he liked her. Yeah, you can't you can't just jump in the, the mid episode though. You have you to really pay attention. You can't, but he's just there. I mean, he would watch an episode here and there. Okay, so so he didn't. From what he saw, he didn't dislike it. So there you go. Lost to me has a lot of different themes anyways. Um, sure. Destiny being one of them. Um, hubris, uh, the fall of the fall of, uh, of people in, uh, and their pride. Um, you don't think so? Not quite sure. Not quite sure where you got that. But well, think about sorry. it. Um, so, so we'll jump right in. Uh, let's, let's talk like John Locke, for example, very, very tragic character. That he is. Um, Very. Now, I love how there are things about Lost that I really do think are, are told really well. And the character backstories in the beginning, and I, this is this is to me, in the beginning, in season one, when they're starting to reveal these characters and show you who they are, uh, that's probably one of, I would, I would agree that that is a really strong way to tell the story. Um, and it's, it's, it's downright, Genius in some cases, the way that they do reveals, for example, Locke being, you know, handicapped. Um, 
and how they walk you through that episode. Um, and they don't reveal the wheelchair until the very end. And, and then it suddenly clicks that the island has more. Like that, to me, was the first time that you really start to recognize uh, that the island has different properties. Than it's, there's something mysterious going on there that we're not quite 100% certain about. Like that was, I think the, that was the first episode really where that, that kind of happened. The rest of the episodes were more yeah. about them just trying to survive those initial first few days. And Others, then suddenly uh, locks walking around and you're like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> other than right off the bat, there was a monster. Yeah. That was right in the very first episode. So there's some <laughs> giant thing roaming the Island. They revealed that right off the bat. And then in the second half of the pilot, there's the polar bear. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is a little weird. And also when they find a distress signal, that is. Oh yeah. Been, been going for 16 years. And I got, I was quick aside and I loved saying this. I have seen the show all the way through, know what happens. You know, a few times, I think I've seen it beginning to end a total of three times. And then I've made it up to season three, a couple more times. So I've seen the early parts a lot more. But yeah. knowing everything that goes down and what happens and everything like that, the end of the pilot, when they find the message and they're all just standing there in shock as it's playing and Charlie's friendly, like, guys, where are we? That still gives me the willies. It was very well done. Like, the ominous music and all that stuff, it's still, like, it just gives me chills. Yeah. Um, one, I love the um, the use of when they used a new character to introduce in the first season, when they were, when it was that character's backstory, the show always opened with a close up of their eyes. So, um, and it was just something that I, that I, that I noticed on this watch and I, it doesn't do it obviously in the second season or after they've introduced that character, but that very first episode where that character is being introduced, it is a close up of their eyes. And that to me is, is very like, especially when, when we talk about the eyes being the window to the soul, um, you know, and, and suddenly it's, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're being entered into their world. Um, and you're going to, it's, it's, it's the filmmaker's introduction to tell us that this, that we're going to learn more about this character. And it, so, it, it was really effective way of telling us. It, it was, what, what we've got off topic, because what we're, I was saying is that, yes, you are correct. Then the, the third episode, the first non-pilot episode is a Kate episode. Nothing really particularly different in that episode. But just the next one about John Locke and the reveal that he is handicapped. That is your first real, other than I'd say the monster and maybe the yeah. polar bear to a lesser degree. That is your first real indication that this island is special. There's something yes. different here. Uh, which you um, might know, because I don't pay too much attention to production and everything like that and the magic and everything about it. You might know better than me. I believe early in concept in writing phase, it was supposed to just be a drama about survivors on an island. And that it was... I I don't know about... That Abrams and Lindelof came along and decided to make it more of like a a sci-fi fantasy-type magical show about destiny and all that. Hmm. Um, That I I never... I knew Michael Keaton was originally supposed to play the Jack Sawyer character. Uh, hmm. And I know that he was supposed to die in the pilot. Um, hmm. so I'm actually kind of happy that they didn't, that that didn't go through, uh, because I, I do think that Jack's character is intense. Um, 
throughout the show, but it's it's an intensity of I will never give up, which I think actually lends credence, lends better, like it just, it lends a better experience as the show goes on, at least in my opinion. So, um, so I'm kind of glad that, that one didn't work out, but I didn't hear that it was just a show about survivors. I, I That would have been very boring. It would have been like Rescue 911 or some bullshit, so... <laughs> Anyway, um, I could be wrong about that. That's kind of a secondhand recount of something I heard once. So yeah. So let's okay. So let's delve into the theme in Lost. One of the main themes is destiny. Like right off the bat, like it is. It is yeah, all about is, destiny. That is the um, main theme. Yeah, everybody has their destiny. Now, th- these are things that make me mad about about it. Um, you know, for one, like we, you have a character like John Locke, and it's unfortunate because. I as I was telling John, like, and this this is just life circumstances for me right now, but it's funny how I am kind of connecting with Locke as a character this turn around. And I've never, like, really, like, I always felt bad for him because of what he was going through. Um, always kind of feeling like he was supposed to be used for more, and he never really was. Like, he, And he's just, because of his want and his desire to be something bigger than what he really is, he is always being manipulated uh, mm. in very specific ways. And that's what makes him a tr- this tragic character is he doesn't even see the manipulation. He just assumes that, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing because this person told me I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah, uh, yeah he's, he's led around by the nose, convinced yeah. he's onto something. And uh, the man in black now wearing him in his body even says it in the last season. The John Locke suit. He's like, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, uh, he was, Locke wasn't a believer. He was a sucker. Mm-hmm. And yet the man who, um, the, the, the unbeliever, <laughs> through it all, the unbeliever is probably at the time the most important person on that fucking island when when you take into account, you know. So. And, and he's he's only an unbeliever, if you will, up until the I'd say the last two seasons, especially, but by the end, by the last season, yeah. I'd say the last season. I, I, this is that's where it jumps the shark for me. Is the honestly the last season? I, I, every time I watch it, I'm like, it went one season too far. Like, well, it was supposed to only be five seasons, and then the writer's strike happened. And that's why the last three seasons are all short. The first three seasons are all 24 episodes. The last three are like 14, 15, and 18, I believe. Uh, so it was actually only supposed to be five seasons. It got shortened. The, it got extended by the writer's strike. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think and, it creates a lot of confusion in people. They, they think that the island is purgatory. So they think that, that technically that they're a, dead. That was and a man I, theory for a long time. It's not that's not the case. I know. There but are, they still hear that. Like people still, still go, hurt. Oh, the end just proved that they were all dead anyways. Well, yeah, they walked they they were dead during those flash forwards, flash sideways. I don't know what you're gonna call it. The last the last season it was flash sideways. Okay. So um and that is purgatory in in terms of yes. the, the the mythos of the show it's kind of more not rather than like a like a christian afterlife concept or anything like that it's kind of more along the lines 
I'm not sure if there's an Eastern religion equivalent, but I, I, for lack of a better term, it's kind of more like the Force. Yeah, that, it's a, it, it was like a waiting room for the for them to kind of come together they, and then move on together. To come together and move on together, and also to hash out any unfinished business. Yes, and and to come to grips with whatever they were hanging on to, whatever they did. What the, the whatever whatever they did, did or what, yeah. whatever unresolved issues they had didn't necessarily have to be the island. Just whatever unresolved issues they had, it, it was yeah. the place for them to give give uh, uh, you know just to meet up. But, yeah. So the yeah. the end of the flash said, and I didn't realize that you actually see a glimpse of that in season three, um, with Echo, and that was one of the things I didn't realize. Uh, when I watched How? it, okay. they, is this before Echo's death or after Echo's death? It's the episode of Echo's death. It's when he dies. Cause when he dies, he is back in Africa as a young boy with his brother. And it's just a clip. It's just the scene. It's like the last shot of that episode or anything like that. But that is actually the flash sideways that you don't see again until season six. Hmm. Interesting. That was, that was echo moving on in the purgatory waiting room, if you will, meeting up again with his brother. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, so lots of, lots of theories abound out there um, about this television show. Um, I'm still, I'm still not convinced that it. So John, tell me, why is this the greatest hour of television? Tell me why you love this show so much. Like, what is it? Convince me to love this show. Honestly, convince me. I'm the floor is yours. Stop stop chewing an olive and convince me this is dead air time, John. Did you finish your second ready? Yep. Alright. Damn, dude. That was quick. I can pound them. <laughs> Women and cocktails. I was gonna say, don't admit that. <laughs> I'll get the unimportant one out of the way first. Okay. I'm not saying it's the greatest hour of television. I'm saying it is my favorite. Okay. First and foremost, right out of the way, I love tropics. I love jungle. I love water. I love beaches. So right so out watch of the way, Fantasy Island. Right out of the way, right out of the gate, I love the setting. Get, I, I said I was going to get the unimportant one out of the way first. Okay. So right out of the gate, I love the setting. I think the show is extremely well written. You have indications in the last season that all the way back in the first season, this is where they intended to go. So I see it very well put together. Very good storyline that they kept as cohesive as possible with reality setting in. You know, it's obviously a show that goes on for six years. Complications arise. People leave the show unexpectedly. Storylines don't pan out. These things happen. They kept. A, they did a good job of keeping it together. I love the destiny theme and the and not just the destiny theme because that's not necessarily particularly original or anything. I love how well they portrayed it. The intersect. The interconnectedness of all the characters. How they're all backstory. They're tied together. 
that's what makes the show for me. Okay. So I will give you all of those points. Well, I'm not going to give you the locale. I'm sorry. Like I, I get that it's, I get that it's unimportant, but dude, you could, you could set that show on in Iceland, right? Some mysterious area of Iceland and you might still get the same result. So just because you like the tropics doesn't mean the show is. But I'm just saying that right off the point, right off the bat, that's bonus points for me. Because I love tropics. Maybe if this was on a vineyard, I would have, I would have thought different. I would have been like bonus points. They're on a vineyard. I I mean, I love Hawaii, right? Hawaii is great. And and it's a, it's a great locale. And I've been to the areas in Hawaii. The isolation of an island. You did need the isolation of an island. Yeah, yeah, true. All right. You did, you yeah. did need, now, they went right off the, um, after, was it after the show, or were they still making, I think it was after the show, they did Alcatraz, which didn't even last the whole season. It got canceled at the, you know how shows will do that mini cliffhanger when they go on the, like, Christmas break? Uh-huh. Like, halfway through the season? Yeah, yeah, Heroes was doing that, I remember, so. And it, uh, um, let me uh, circle back to Heroes in a little bit because I want to explain that too because that was the show I was watching before I got into Lost. But that is as far as Alcatraz made it. And actually, he, uh, I almost called him by his name in the show, Hugo Reyes. Um, George Garcia. And now I'm forgetting. George, George Garcia. Or Jorge Garcia. Yeah, sorry. Jorge Garcia. So he was one of the main characters in Alcatraz. I don't remember the actress's name. And Sam Neill. Sarah and Jones. Al- Alcatraz had my interest, and I was enjoying Alcatraz. I was very sad that it died after half a season. Uh, and it was kind of like the best way. And I, I joke because I say Lost in San Francisco, Lost in San Francisco, and I was like, "Wait, isn't that the sequel to Homeward Bound?" No, <laughs> but, no, no. but it, it had that same mysterious "what's going on here" feel to it that Lost had, and it was well done. But it just, the show didn't last, so I said. Anyway, Heroes and Lost comparison is the best reason why I could say why Lost is a great show because I was Heroes was all the rage when it came out season one, and I was there too, and I was digging digging it. Yeah, and I was, and I was latched on to Heroes, and season one was great, and I'm like, ooh, this is great. And and see, granted, season two is when the writer strike happened, but it was still just. That real short season two of Heroes I was kind of like, what's going on here? Like, this is still kind of cool. And then I made it like three episodes in the season three and just completely lost interest in the show. Yeah. And nothing I have ever heard about what Heroes, ha- what happened for the rest of season three. And I think that show lasted two more seasons. No, it lasted, well, technically it lasted one more season and then they did a Heroes yeah, they, Redux or something like that. They came um, back with it. it was, and I like Zachary Levi and he was part of it, but I had no interest in it or anything like that. But I just, my, I was just, Heroes was just Heroes, Heroes, and then I immediately lost interest in Heroes. And going back to Lost, where again, you watch the later season, like the last season of Lost, and you can tell in season one, this is where they intended to be. Whereas by comparison, Heroes, it's like, what crazy thing can we make happen in this episode? And it was, I, I, I did not find any writing quality to it. I found the show, frankly, a little sick, a little demented, and not in a good way. It was kind of, it kind of turned into Siler and all the people waiting to be killed by Siler. 
Yeah. A villain is a good villain is very important to a show. Mm-hmm. But when it would just basically became Siler's murder hour is all yeah. heroes became to me by the and I just no well, who whose brain is whose brain is Siler going to eat tonight? Like when exactly. when I I like Zachary Quinn. Quinto Quintano. Um, I think he made an excellent. Uh, I think he made an excellent Spock, by the way. And um, his, his on American uh, horror horror story, uh, the characters that he's played on there have been really fun and engaging. Um, but you are very Siler during the first season of Heroes uh, was great. Like it was, it was like spooky very, and creepy, and yeah, like very compelling, creepy villain where you wanted to know how they were going to beat him. Yes. And, and, and from there, it's just like, hey, this Siler character is really cool. We're just going to basically make him the evil star, and he's just going to kill everybody. And especially in, in that short second season like that, where he kills the chick's brother and then sleeps with her with his body, like, like right there in the next room over. Like, that's sick. Like, that, I, that I don't remember. I don't remember enough yeah. of it. Because uh, there, there was the twins that came from Central America, I think. Yeah. And I think because her ability, her power was basically she could just kill people in her vicinity and she had no real control over it. Like when she just kind of lost her, like she basically lost it emotionally. Like people around her started dying and her, I think they were paternal twins, fraternal twins. And her brother, her twin brother, his ability was that he could stop her. Basically he was her control. Hmm. And so Siler killed him and then slept with her. I'm like, what the hell? Like, no, you you lose my interest. That's that's kind of like I never watched Game of Thrones because I don't really like sick stuff. I really don't. So yeah, well that's fair. Um, anyway, so that was the show I was watching, and just just my interest just evaporated for that. And Lost was there to take its place. And yeah. Lost was a much more cohesive, much more thought out, much more well written and well told story. I thought Lost came before Heroes, and I, I could be wrong about that. But uh, I think it started before Heroes, but I because it started in two thousand four, and I think Heroes started in two thousand five. But I did not start watching Lost until I think I think season two or even three was on the air when I started watching it. Yeah, I, for me it was then, season four when I actually started watching Lost. So I was way behind the curve on that one. Um, there's a, and a lot of people bash like J.J. Abrams now nowadays because mm-hmm. it's Lens Flare for for the Star Trek remakes and for Star Wars. A lot of people are on him and I, whatever. Fuck that! Sure. Like the Sorry. Star Trek remakes, except for Part Three, are all are are really good. Fuck people and their hatred for those. You're like the only person that'll say that, but I'm I, not. Gonna, and that's fine. Like I'm not going to go down that avenue with you. That's <laughs> Grindin, we can go down that avenue. I didn't watch three. And I haven't watched the other two in a long time. I, I never watched Discovery. You like Discovery. You're again. You're alone in that. I uh, anyway. I enjoy Discovery. I don't like Discovery. I just people, enjoy it. People will trash J.J. Abrams to no end nowadays. Fine, okay, but Lost is great, and I really like Fringe. Fringe is great. Yeah, I I love Fringe. It's not up there with Lost to me, but I think Fringe is a fantastic show. You know what? Here's here's what I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna say about Abrams. Just just for that, he's the man who gave us the Rock. All right. So anybody who wants to trash J.J. Abrams should go throw himself in front of a bus because we have the Rock. 
because the wrestler or the '96 Connery Nick Cage movie. Connery Nick Cage movie. Okay. I didn't know because that was Abrams, of, yeah, yeah, he wrote that movie. Because of Abrams, we have The Rock. So fuck everyone else for hating Abrams. If it wasn't for him, uh, we wouldn't get lines like winners go home and fuck the prom queen. All right, so. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> the found footage monster movie he made, why can't I remember? Eight millimeter. Eight millimeter. He was eight millimeter too? That's not a monster movie. Oh, no, no, not. not uh, Super sorry, 8? sorry. Super 8. Thank Super you. 8? Yes. Was that the monster movie? Yeah, that was the monster movie. Were the other one with uh, John Goodman in it? Um, what? John Goodman wasn't in Super 8. No, no. So there was the found footage monster movie and then the sequel, not a sequel, that was J- John Goodman in the uh, oh, oh, the bunker. Clover, um, Cloverfield. And then, uh, Cloverfield. But he didn't direct those. He's just those were just all bad robot movies. He just produces those. He didn't write them. He just, didn't, those are just productions. Yeah, those okay. are, those are just his um, productions. So I think I think Cloverfield was Michael Goddard. Um, okay. All right. So then, never mind that. I, I knew Abrams was connected somehow. I couldn't remember what. So Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves was Cloverfield. So yeah, yeah. Um, he yeah he he had nothing to do with. Um, all he did was produce it. That was it. Um, so he's, he's, he's a producer of the Cloverfield movies. Uh, he gave us, dude, actually we have mission impossible three because of Abrams. And that is by far one of the better mission impossible movies. It is one of the better ones. And all the ones that mission impossible movies are kind of the one movie franchise. I actually kind of think each one's better than the, the one before it. I will give you that. Uh, and I th- the, the rest of them are bad robot movies. That was just uh, the only one he directed, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. He's got- the, guy who, the guy who played Sawyer and Lost had a very small part in Ghost Protocol. Uh, yeah. Josh, Hall- Josh Holloway. Josh, yep. uh, so, yeah, and about the only exception to that is the only Mission Impossible movie I really don't care for is the second one. It's just kind of dumb. Uh Interesting. All right. And the first one, the first one's interesting, but I don't think it aged very well. Why do you say really? I really remember liking the Mission Impossible movie back in '96 when it came out. Mm -hmm. I I think I saw it twice in theaters. '96 is like the pinnacle year for me with movies. Like that was the year I was really in the movies because you know that was Con Air, that was Twister, Mission Impossible, The Rock, Independence Day. You know. And I just remember, like, that was the year I really remember that I was going to the movie theater all the time and seeing all these movies. So, uh, and anyway, that's off topic. Okay. Back to Lost. Back, uh, back to Lost. Um, yes, and, and that's why we're here. So, so I didn't prepare as much for this as, as I was kind of hoping that we could go off the cuff on this. Um, well, we really just off the cuff anytime. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, I mean, we can talk about some of the themes here that, that lost. Like we we talk about destiny, John Locke being the one, the tragic destiny, uh, the character that doesn't. Which so so Lost is known for having characters uh, that represent famous historical people. John Locke obviously represented. It was supposed to like uses the name John Locke. Uh, you've got Daniel Faraday, uh, who in real life. Daniel Faraday created the Faraday cage uh, with physics, electricity, that sort of thing. Oh, the concept yeah. for it, anyway. Um, those are two that I know John has run out of his his smoking juice. Um, 
No, it's uh, battery, and I, I would need to go elsewhere to charge uh, it. Well. John cannot smoke on Irish podcast now. He's just going to have to deal without nicotine. Um, I know we're canceled. All right, good night. Our one listener in Germany is going to be very upset that we ended this episode that that early. You say Germany. I go for I'm saying we win international. That's all that matters to me. We win international. If you are from Germany, sir, and you listen to this episode, will you please email me um, through the podcast? Let me know. I want to know that you're from Germany. Um, Speaking of, you're supposed to be putting videos to this. Yeah, I, I asked you for the upload because we're not even going to get into this right now. Let's Let's focus on Lost. And then you and I offline will talk about the video situation. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to watch the videos, um, but uh, but we'll talk about that because because uh, yes, we should get videos out there. All right. So so we have these characters that represent normal, like are supposed to represent historical people. The one that gets me though is John Locke because you and I were talking about this earlier tonight, earlier today, in, in that John Locke doesn't have anything to do with destiny. Like there's nothing in his character that represents who the man actually is in real life. Uh, John Locke being a political uh, philosopher um, who is essentially controlled for like the, the founding fathers of America utilized Locke's theories to found America. So, why call that character John Locke when they could have done somebody like Rene Descartes or, or something like that, which kind of fits more with Locke's character. The only thing that I could see in, in regards to Locke having any sort of uh, philosophical point of view that fit with lost is, is for example, his idea that that man is real, uh, not just a brain in a jar. He, he hated the idea that, uh, that we were just in a dreamlike state all the time. Uh, because if we were in a dreamlike state, we wouldn't feel things like pain. Uh, so I don't know. Like you tell me, man. What am I telling you again? Why? Yeah. Why like, like g- g- give me, give me an idea here. Why, why name a character, uh, when he's, when the representation is, is really supposed to be very similar to like Locke's philosophical ideas and, and his ideas really aren't there. I, I remember reading this once why they decided that. I, I think it was just kind of an Easter egg. I, don't know, I was trying to look up why. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't remember what it was, why they decided to go with that. Okay. But it, it was one of those things where they were throwing in small details. Again, that's another reason why I love that show. That's, that's a show where you really have to pay attention to what the background is. There's all sorts of Easter eggs in that show. Um, That's another reason why. G- g- I mean, give, give me a good Easter egg, sir. Tell, d- explain to me one of these great Easter eggs. Uh, Stephen King references, stuff like that. Um, the numbers, if you, because they made a big deal of the numbers. If you watch and pay attention to that show, the numbers keep popping up. Well, yeah, but they're they're the main like they are the main thing in that show. The the numbers drive the plot, like on purpose. Yeah, and that's yeah. So, for example, in the, the season finale of season one, 
where instead of being about any one person, the flashbacks in that season finale always show like each individual person, one of the main characters leaving Australia, like their last few hours before getting yeah. on the plane. And with Hurley, like, because now Hurley's cursed and all the bad stuff happens to him. Like, you know, he gets up in the morning and there was like his, the, the power blue. So like the power outlet where his phone, where this alarm clock was plugged in is burned out and everything like that. So he overslept. So now he's rushing to make the plane on time. And when he gets to the airport and everything's going wrong, he's rushing, rushing, rushing to make that flight. And everything's going wrong on the way. And he gets a hold. He pays that guy like an absurd amount of money. Yeah, to get the scooter. Yeah. Uh, stroller. And while he's on the scooter and he's going by, he goes by a soccer team. And as he goes by, they're on the jersey. And bam, the numbers four, eight, fifteen, six. Just little details like that. There's a scene in uh, season two with Anna Lucia where it does a flashback to her. And she, because she was a police officer, LAPD, shows her in the parking lot. At, LA, at the police headquarters, and you can see the rooftop, the roofs of all the squad, squad uh, of all the squad cars, and the numbers are there, stuff like that. The numbers just keep popping up. Love those little tiny Easter eggs for anyone who's willing to watch. There are just always small details in the background. At the very beginning of season three, the fact that they're reading the book that Juliet chose. That what book were go. they reading? By the way, it's a Stephen King book, but I don't, what book is it? I want to say it's Carrie. I thought it was um, the Talisman, and they might have been the Talisman. You might be right. Might be, and they kind of made a big deal of the fact that like Ben did not like yeah. Stephen King, and that was kind of Juliet's way of antagonizing Ben when it was her turn in the book club. In the book club to choose the book, she chose a Stephen King book to antagonize him. Uh, well, even his 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 so, line to her is, "I guess I'm no longer in the book club." Um. Yeah, because he didn't like Steve, and so and granted, a lot of the details come across as their connections. Which, by the way, I looked up. I watched the show through. There are connections in that show. Man, did I miss? I missed them like hell. Um, like I was, it was crazy the things I missed going through. But in small detail, when you're really starting, when they're slowly starting to reveal that, like one of them was. They're doing an episode about Jin and Sun in Korea in the first season, and you see a glimpse of the TV, and it's Hurley when he's winning the lottery. Yeah. You see that. Uh, and then it just so ha- – like the woman who, you know, drifted into the oncoming lane, killed yeah. a guy, and that was the one she ended up paralyzed. Jack fixed but it her. But was Shannon's father who died. Shannon's father that she killed. And you see in that episode where you're finding all that out, you see Jack. Like, he just brought, he walks through, like, excuse me, and he's walking through. Looks like it. I love those tiny little details. Because that shows yeah. care. That is, that's, those are the little things that show an elevated something beyond well, make, we're going to make a show that. I think they wanted to also show how connected the characters were. And, and yeah. that was the point. That was the point, but and it's and I love how they started yeah. small with stuff like that. And they started with things like Hurley just was on the TV one night in an episode about Jen and Son yeah. in Korea, and they escalate to Locke's father is the Sawyer that conned 
Sawyer that's that's where I think things started to get absurd and, is when when they they made these huge connections to these people versus the small connect because I think I think at the beginning it was trying to show that in many ways we are all connected we affect each other's lives whether we realize it or not it just so happened that these guys had that but kinda, then all of a sudden Desmond comes into play in the second season and Desmond has a huge connection to Jack but then you find out Desmond has a connection to Libby. Desmond has a connection to this person. Desmond has a connection to this person. And then you're like, what the fuck? Kinda, Desmond, how did they not kinda, even know not, that? Like, Jack and Desmond were the only two people who were like, oh, wait, we know each other. He he didn't have a huge connection to, to Jack, but they knew each other. Um, his, he had the connection to Libby, but he didn't get to meet Libby. Libby was dead yeah, by yeah. the time he came back. Her boat was he parked had, offshore. The he had a connection. She had no fucking clue. Yeah, he had a connection to Saeed, and see, that was one of the things when I looked up dude. the connection thing. I knew about his connection to but Saeed. Through, I did not know about that, his connection. That was just through... That was it. Yes. Uh, yeah, Clancy yeah. Brown's character, Inaman. Kelvin Inaman. Was, I, was yeah, yeah. Kelvin Inaman. See, I, I missed his connection to Kate. Like, his... Because it was a lot smaller. Because um, he interacted with Kate's father. Well... The man she called father in Iraq, but mm-hmm. on a much much lower scale than he's. Saeed talks to him in Iraq. He's because yeah. he's an army. They don't have they don't have anywhere near the amount of time together that Saeed yeah. Inaman did. But so Saeed does have that connection to Kate. He has the connection with Inaman. He has the connection with Libby. Wait, Kate's father was the soldier. The man she called father. He, but he was the, so because I remember she visited him in the in the uh, office, uh, the recruitment yeah. office. But yeah. he was the soldier that that captured Saeed. That in in a, essentially, yeah, the one that the one that brought him to. Oh him. shit! I that's the first time that I knew that. Okay, the, see that's one of the, that's one of the ones I missed. The other thing I missed is in the season finale, season two, where you're seeing Desmond's time in the hatch with Inaman. And he keeps talking about Rosinski, Rosinski, Rosinski. Rosinski was the man who painted the the sim, the, uh, the map in the detergent. You can only see it in the black light. I didn't think about the fact that Rosinski was the total douchebag in season oh. five. Like the, by that point, by that point, I'd forgotten the name. So yeah, that the guy was yeah, yeah. holding, but yeah, there he is left. He's I know who the beer. I know That's who Rosinski was. That's I didn't catch that. Okay, so. I didn't. I didn't catch that. So after the incident, which remember, he was the one that was bound and determined to build yeah, the Swan yeah. Station, more or less the one that the caused incident. the incident. So the whole thing, he put himself in the hatch to put in the numbers as yeah. atonement. It was. A, it was. He felt guilty about that. So and he just did it for as long as he could, and finally he couldn't take any more. Talk, talk about Dante's fucking inferno. I have to atone for my sin, and so I'm going to put myself through hell to atone for this sin. How that's actually really kind of deep in, in many ways. And damn it, John, you you got your battery refilled, so now you can just blow smoke. Um. I didn't. That's a good. That's actually a good connection. No, I, like, I, I, I understood that that was Rosinski, but I didn't. Catch, and I did not catch. 
I did not catch. And by the time I was caught up to the show and I was watching season five, and that's kind of almost why I like binging a show is yeah. almost better. Is even though it's, it's more socially, you know, damaging. Uh, watching it all together is like, oh, Rosinski, whereas when I, because I, I think season three was on when I started watching the show. So by the time season five came around, I was caught up to it, waiting for it to come out every week. And I, by that point, I didn't remember the fact that, oh, yeah, Rudzinski was that dude Enemin always talked about. Now we're meeting Rudzinski. That was just, and he's a douchebag. <laughs> he's a total asshole. Um, yeah, I mean, I, he, he, so. he killed himself and made uh, Enemin, um, he only gave him 108 minutes to bury the body. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you when you think about that, that's actually kind of a uh, that's kind of one of the better lines. Is like just shows his his uh, uh, asshole only gave me a hundred and eight minutes. That was the one. That was the real tragedy. And I only had a hundred and eight minutes to bury the bastard. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, so yeah, all right. You you've just made me kind of have a little bit more respect for it to 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 the pointing out the Rosinski uh, situation there. Him, him basically assigning himself yeah. to hell um, for the rest of his life because of what happened. That's that's kind of cool. That's kind of amazing. Which brings back yeah. a lot yeah, of the ideas of destiny on the island is and and how each character kind of serves a purpose. So, for example, Boone is is a really good one uh, where John starts losing the ability to walk um, and needs to essentially use Boone to get to his next destination. Uh, if you want to believe that that's what's happening, yes. right? Because um, Boone's, Boone's purpose was to die. Yeah, he was a, as as we find out, is that the island demands sacrifices. Um, and Boone, Boone was that sacrifice. And it's and maybe not even demanding sacrifice might even be the right term. It's just people serve their purpose, the island... I, I don't want to make this comparison. I don't want to, I don't want to go off on this tangent, I should say, but the Knights of the Old Republic, one and two. First, the first Knights of the Old Republic, very straightforward plot. Good. Everyone loves the first KOTOR if they like games, everything like that. The second Knights of the Old Republic doesn't give as much attention. And granted, it was a very broken game. Obsidian like threw, slapped it together in less than a year. There were broken quests, unfinished quests, all these things in it. The overall story was... I love the story to the second Night Seal Republic because it is much deeper, much darker, much more intriguing than the very cut and dry story of the first Kotor, which I still think it's a good story. It's a good game. But what the implications and the themes of the second Kotor about and here, I bring it all the way back to the very first Star Wars movie when Obi-Wan is giving training to Luke on the Millennium Falcon. And and he's teaching about it and how Luke says, oh, you mean it, so it controls your actions? And Obi-Wan replies with partially, but it also obeys your commands. And then that's it. And you never hear anything about it. And it's like the entire game of KOTOR 2 is revisiting and actually based on that thing Luke said. It controls your actions. And that's what the whole theme of the second KOTOR was is, in the end, dark side, light side, all these things, are we actually all just slaves to the Force? 
fulfilling the roles the Force has us fulfill. And the whole time, here's the Sith Lord seeking power and control and dominance, but they don't realize in the end, they're slaves to the Force, fulfilling the role this Force has set out for them. And that is what the theme of Code See, you just wrote a better Star Wars film just on that idea alone. Well, I didn't write it. I didn't write. I it didn't write but, but you could have written Force Awakens around that idea, and it would have changed the whole Star Wars midichlorian. It could have. It would have changed that whole debate right there, um, because now you have a movie that and, uh, isn't based that isn't just based upon Luke Skywalker being this great hero um, against the all odds. Like you have this really. He was. You he have, was the tool. He was a pawn. And so was Vader, and yeah. so was the Emperor. They're all just well, pawns of the Force doing... But that, and that gets, was with the whole, whole theme. That's of, that's the whole idea of the destiny I'm just saying, of the One, though. You know, like, the Matrix, the Matrix but the, hit but I mean, on that theme of that yes, Neo is just there to serve the computer program. At the end of the day, Neo, that was his purpose. Well... No. No. Well, kind of, but... At the end of the day, what the problem was is Neo was the fact that the equation couldn't be balanced. That's what the one always was. He was the remainder in the equation. He was actually the reason one. the Matrix always fell apart. And the whole... Re- I, see, the Matrix movies, whatever, the overall story I actually like quite a bit. One, Smith's one of my all-time favorite villains, which we talked about on the show before. And two, in, in keeping with why Smith is one of my all-time favorite villains, is because it's actually Smith that balances the equation because he is the first time ever that there was a negative one to balance out the one. The one was the remainder of the equation. The reason why everything fell apart, there was finally a negative one, but you know, that's which makes me wonder how they're going to actually revisit the matrix with part four, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that works. Don't, (laughs) <laughs> don't, don't don't say those it's it's words it's in production. <laughs> uh, don't don't say those words to me. Anyway, so the whole thing with Kotor was sorry. The second Kotor was, I guess you could call her the final nemesis of the game. She was the final boss, the Ancrea, Darth Treya. She had she was kind of proving like Yoda wrong. Like once you go down the dark path, you never come. Because she did go down to Bark. She got fed up and sick and disillusioned with the Jedi and became a Sith. But she got fed up and sick of the Sith and the dark side equally. She became tired of both of them. She wanted the Force to die because she realized we're pawns to it. This isn't about everything every Sith Lord or Jedi Master has ever tried to accomplish. They were all just pawns. And the whole thing, because everybody was wondering about Riven and and the dialogue options with the second game, you get to decide whether Revan returned back to the light or Revan became the Sith Lord or maintain remained a Sith Lord. I'm sorry, but she was she was saying like, did he have a choice or was he just a pawn of the Force? Now that's the going back to Lost. Now that we got off of that was the whole thing. Like they were all pawns to. Well, Jacob, but the island itself. And poor Boone, Boone's purpose was to die. And the island healed Locke. 
he was handicapped and he could walk again, and it took it away from him. So Boone would die. Which, and you see that played out many, many times. Now, obviously, there's a reason, like Echo, like again, Echo dying um, is a great example of of the island essentially making it like your time is up. Um, It it is interesting to, because it makes the island almost, almost a character a flesh and blood character inside of lost itself, which I don't, I don't know if that was ever the purpose, but it's, that is kind of an interesting. um, Although with echo, it's kind of more the man in black. And it's again, that was an instance of where they had to change, change their plan because the actor decided he wanted off the show. There was a lot more plans for echoes character going forward, but the actor wanted off the show. So they killed him. Or off. we could talk about Charlie's um, death. Like Charlie, but, he was destined. But they and Char- Charlie's death. Uh, but the Echo death, they did a very good job of keeping his death lore friendly, for lack of a letter. Like within the canon, they were they were able to rearrange the circumstances around his death in keeping with what it's going. In that he was one of the first choices of anti candidates yeah. of the Man in Black. And he killed him because he ended up not meeting the criteria, if you will. So that was so. So that was one of the first people the Man in Black started to look at to kill yes. Jacob. Um, who obviously ended up settling on John, which Locke, was a but, candidate of Jacob. Though. Uh, well, that was the whole the anti candidates, the anti candidate, the loophole. Yeah, but. The man in black needed Locke was one, one of, of the numbers, candidates, though. and basically to turn. Oh, okay. That was that was the the loophole in the rules that the man in black had to find, and that was the thing he needed to basically turn one of Jacob's candidates into an anti-candidate. And John Locke was the one he ended up going with. Jake Echo was one of his potentials. He was scouting, for lack of a better word, and when he didn't make the cut, he killed him. And that's why Echo died. So they kept the 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 actor wanting off the show. They wrote in a good explanation of his death. Fair enough. Um. All right. So yeah. All right. You're making me lock the light the show just a little bit more each time. Um. Get get a little bit more. <laughs> I was expecting a rehash of the debate of the dating episode, the episode three uh, that we did, uh, in which I literally made Why you be anything. Uh, about I dating? made you walk off the. Uh, um, <laughs> you made me walk off because you wouldn't let me make my point, not because I would disagree but, with yours. I kept trying to make my point, and you kept. I still off off. had nothing to do with what we were actually discussing. Had to do with the fact that he I, I had point. like I had a feeling that this that this was going to go down that path. I'm glad to see that it's a little bit more right. um, yeah, jovial. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I made John pissed off at me, which is very hard to do. Normally, it's the other way around where John pisses me off, uh, but I pissed. What? I've never pissed really? off in my life. Yes. Not even- oh, really? Really? 
We've known each other. Hey, we're uh, both Steve. I'm going to take this crack towards forty. Late you on. <laughs> that didn't piss me off. You got. You got. Yeah, that didn't piss me off. <laughs> Steve, I have a picture of you from I, high I school that I just keep fucking circulating every fucking year. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. We're almost 40. We've known each other since the seventh grade. We've been friends since the ninth grade. I've never once pissed you off. I just gave you one time at least that I've gotten pissed at you enough to, like, deck you. You weren't pissed. Oh yes, I laughed. I I I had the best time being lit on fire by fucking Christ. Hey, was that is that or is that not a good I, story? I don't think it's a good story. I don't think it's I, I don't even know what possessed you to even take the stupid torch and apply it to my skin. I, I have no clue. Like where in your mind <laughs> I needed a reason? <laughs> You know what my reason was at the time? It's like, Torch. he's not expecting this. Literally, that's what I, what went through my mind. It's like, he won't see this coming. Dude, that, that happened when we were in high school, and I still remember this vividly. Yeah. I can I can hear my skin sizzle. <laughs> All right. That's literally what went through my mind. <laughs> this is this is where the listener in Germany gets it gets he turned like clicks it off. He's like done. I've heard enough of these idiots. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> how do you feel about knowing now that that is why I took a crack torch to your arm <laughs> because it was just like he's not going to expect <laughs> this is unexpected. He, he'll never know. He'll never understand why. <laughs> and I'm just going to do it. <laughs> The island demands a sacrifice. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is why we don't have any listeners. This is why, right? Because who wants to hear two idiots talk? And as we've already kind of come to discuss, literally, this is just us having a conversation. This is our Zoom happy hour. Is all this really is like? Yeah, and we're we're trying to monetize it. <laughs> the rest of the world's gotten on with COVID, and John and I are like, well, we can't really see each other in real life, so we are. This is our Zoom happy hour right here. All right. Um, Seriously, though, that is really the only reason I did it. Is all right. So there we go. At least, at least I've. Right. There's no, there was no malice or intent. It was just. This isn't expected. That was really the only thing that here. That's it, John. You motherfucker. I should. I should. Next time I see you, I I think because there was like because we were we went somewhere with Rodney. I don't remember his name now. We're not. We're not speaking names in this podcast. Remember. I said I don't remember his last time. Rodney and. The other actual friend with us, I might have been one of, but I still remember because it was like the one time we went to that dude's house. Never went to his house again. Maybe you did. I know I never did. 
But I just those two, the, everyone that was else in the room with us, they don't remember no, that I said it's before. because it was just you and, and I. Something only no, like yes, it is something that only you and I in this world. Yeah, no. <laughs> you I said you motherfucker. <laughs> and we're still friends to this day. You were a dumbass back in fucking high school. That's we your fault. <laughs> we're like brothers. What the fuck was I thinking? I mean, well, what is that? Sounds like brothers to me. Yeah, it does actually. Um, yeah, you're you're more of a brother to me than most of my other actual than any <laughs> really. Um, yeah, because yeah, I set like, you on fire. That's that's how it works. All you got to do is just set people on fire, and uh, and that's that's how it works. You're friends, friends, friends for life. Yeah. You're. you're no, like no, 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 no. I just I saw that you had said something, and I was like, oh, cool. Um, so now. It's okay. All right. Um, so back to back to Lost and how I'm not pissing John off. John's not pissing me off. This this podcast we are laughing about. Oh, never never happened. No. Um. All right. So, so we have we have this basic idea of, of destiny. Uh, we talked a little bit about it in the beginning. You 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 were confused by by my thought process on it. We won't we won't get into that. Um, I I don't know. Um, like I said, I didn't. I, I thought I thought we could go more off the cuff on this one than actually like re, like prepare prepare prepare. I thought I'd have more valid arguments for not liking the show, except for the last season. But but when I think about it, like the last season really is the worst part of the whole show. Um, and I to me, I think what makes it the worst part of the whole show was, A, they, they, I felt like they were trying to wrap it up in a way too cleanly, um, which I, I don't know if that's something you could have done with a show like that. Uh, I, I think that this is, this is a show that almost helped start the fan culture. Um, and had it ended less cleanly than they were, than they did, I think you would have still upset the base. Um, so you still would have had people talk about how the show didn't answer any of their questions. Um, and it never really, any of the theories never came to pass or something to that degree, right? So you think about like a show like Twin Peaks and, and, and to me, this is actually a, a, a fan service to Twin Peaks. Um, and we, you and I have talked about Twin Peaks before as well. Uh, but Twin Peaks is a show that never ended clearly, was never, ever in a plan to end clearly. Uh, they were never going to answer any of the questions that Lynch brought into the fold. Um, exactly. Like he, he wanted made to that a point. make like, it as obscure and as crazy as possible. Um, I, in fact, I had read somewhere that he actually never wanted to uh, reveal who the killer was. Uh, he wanted that to always stay the mystery of Twin Peaks. So you would have never known who killed Laura Palmer. Ever that that would and that would have bothered me because that just happens to be one of my favorite. Uh, Why would that have of Twin bothered you? Like I just said, literally, because that was one of my favorite. 
that part where you reveal the killer and he's in the jail cell, that is so creepy and one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, but they really didn't even... It was the movie that revealed the killer in many ways. All right. No, the show... Fair enough. I I think the movie did more of a reveal than than the show ever did. Um, What was the... uh, Fire Walk With Me? Oh, crap. No, yeah, no, the movie. But um, you talk about Bob and Mike. Yeah, no, uh, no. In fact, the question just evaporated from my brain before I even finished asking it. So never mind. Um, you were asking about who the killer was, what the killer was. No, because because the, the killer was her, yeah. her father, but he yeah. was also possessed. It wasn't her. It wasn't. He was her possessed father. by Bob. It was. Yeah. yeah. He was wearing her. It was it was a Leland suit. <laughs> no, okay, yeah, yeah. Now I remember the poem. Fire walk with me is yep. one of the lines from the poem. Um, that was the because that's the creepy part of me when he's in yes. the cell and he recites the poem. That uh, so okay. that's yeah. what I was going to ask. What was I don't poem? remember the whole poem, but yeah, yeah, like I, I do remember that. That's where Firewalk With Me comes from. Um, and then you had season three of Twin Peaks, which really wasn't even like a season three. It was just a, a, like a revisit, like Twin Peaks revisited, right? Um, and I don't even think there'll ever be a season four. Uh, but again, like that, like you had a whole episode which took place in an atom bomb. had nothing to do with the TV show at all. It was, it was just the entire episode was done in an atom bomb. Um, you see the molecules come together. You see all these weird like ghost entities coming in and out of a convenience store in the middle of nowhere. And then you see the, it, it ended with this weird mutant frog. Um, and, and you had no, like there, it, it was almost like Lynch just kind of F you to everyone who expected me to tell a cohesive story. Um, John, are you even paying attention anymore? Yes, I'm paying attention. I'm trying to figure out. I'm looking up this. Okay. Poem. <laughs> I, I'm expecting Going. like a conversation here, but it, but it ended at this point, so <laughs> I thought it was a monologue. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, back back to this whole idea. Um, so you have these TV shows that, that just don't—they they never really end. Anyways, uh, Twin Peaks being a really great example of that. Um, so you have a fan base that really demands these answers. But did did the fan base? I mean, does the fan base mm-hmm. really deserve the answers that it wants? I mean, does did Lost really need to end as cleanly as as we think it did? Like it ends what do you really mean, clean. cleanly. Uh, okay, we now know what the purpose of the island is in so many ways. You I, like? It's, I think it's perfect. Like I'm still confused by it. The show is the show is undoubtedly the show is un. 
undoubtedly cryptic, but that show is not like David Lynch Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's actually, that show wraps up very nicely. Is that they, it almost ended there up too be, nicely. Well, you were talking about do. So you're saying it should have been more open ended? Well, say, I don't like it. Fuck, fuck you, to the, the fans. fans but but did it need to answer every single question? Did it really need to? Well, I mean, you might argue, you might be able to argue that it didn't, but I think it did, and especially because it didn't spoon feed them to you. You you do have to dig in and analyze and everything like that, but the answers are there. I'm as opposed to. Twin Peaks, where it's just completely up to interpretation. They're not. You could say the answers are there, but yeah, they're not. That show fucking weird. Okay, so so let's let's talk about one weird. thing that, that does uh, me, For example, you claim that there are ramifications that far outreaching the islands, like they are world-ending ramifications from the Man in Black. And, or or the the confrontation on the island getting out because the that's island. what it is it's 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 good versus evil confrontation on the island right but that is never something that is actually ever alluded to in the TV show at all that that that, that there are world ending ramifications it what, is right at where the does end. it explain this? this these are these are the these are the issues that I have with it where you will say it it is in the episode. The episode before the series finale about Jacob and the Man of Black. So what is it? But how does it discuss it? Because it's them talking philosophically about bullshit. There's no, if I get off this island, I will end the world. Hell no, it's because, because the source of all life on the planet, like I said, it's very kind of Star Wars-y, force kind of uh, story significant like everybody it comes from the source everyone when they die they go back to the source the hub of the source is the island that's the whole thing behind love and basically if the man in black got off the island he would kill the source he'd kill the island and it had to do with the rules Basically, what was you only ever understand? You only ever know her as mother, but the woman who they call mother, she he, yes. she actually killed their real mother, but they want to bring. She was yes the guardian of the island. She was actually both things. She passed off half of her role to the man in black, or half of her curse, if you want to say that, to the man in black, and the other half to Jacob. So everything she was yes. got split in half between the two of them. And that kind of had to go with the whole thing with what Jacob did when he killed the man in black in his anger and grief for killing mother, for for the man in black killing mother. That was kind of his original sin. And he made yes. the smoke monster. Um, so, yeah. And he was because ba- basically the man in black died and came back as. Pure malice, pure hatred, in, immortal, invincible. But he was bound by the rules that the Guardian set up, of which currently Jacob. And that's that whole point was his his endless quest to find a loophole through Jacob's rules. He might not have even understood okay. that he would have killed. So let's everybody. let's get back to our original point, though, that the island technically has a destiny for everyone. 
So if the man in black was searching mm-hmm. for a loophole and essentially it was John Locke who was always going to be that loophole because again, the island has a destiny for everyone and everyone serves the purpose of the island. The island would technically be safe because the man in black could never really kill anyone because in the end, or, or he could never really get off the island. There was no way that, that anything bad was going to happen because the rules of the island, the island controlled everything to begin with. You could say that, although when you talk about the island, you talk about the island or you talk about Jacob. Because it was <clears throat> everything that happened was kind of a battle of wills between the two. So of it, we had covered very early on that the island was the one in charge of everyone's destiny. Now you're saying that Jacob was yeah, in charge we discussed, of destiny. Yes, we did. Yes, but it, because it's Jacob, so the guardian, who is like that? But, is the, so it's just it's a it's a matter of semantics. Is it the Islanders? It's Jacob because Jacob is the voice. Um, so, but Jacob doesn't. So Jacob may be the voice, right? But he dies eventually, correct? And when he dies, yeah, yeah. yeah but when he dies, they need a new guardian. What ends up happening? Like the island is still the one in control. Like there's still a guardian that will still happen. There's still right. Eh. Eh. Am I am I reaching too far? Am I am I making assumptions I think, that are too, think, that are too broad? I think. Am I I jumping? I think I I get what you're saying, and I don't think you were wrong. But what I'm saying is that there were very real stakes. It wasn't like, oh, this was always going to happen in the way, and everyone was just futilely battling against it. Yes, there was a very real risk of the Man in Black getting off the island. I just, I don't know. I don't see the stakes, and I think that's... If for no other reason than he understood, for no other reason than he understood the what was really going on. I don't know if they, if they, if if they gave the stakes, if they communicated the stakes in a way that was, that was cohesive enough. Now you know more than most people, or you, you think you know more than most people because you've watched these fan theories that exist out there. Um, Is it written by somebody from the show? That's that in and of itself is a fan theory, but no, it's just talking about with the things that actually came out of the show. When things are speculation, he flat out says it, and it was kind of the same thing as you and I, granted you got sick in general, but just this. I was so surprised when this you know Lost Explained channel was so new, but it literally came from somebody who was bored during lockdown, so they revived the show and rewatched it, decided to make the channel exploring all the. <laughs> answers people didn't feel they have and it was this was a show that did actually give you the answers they were just cryptic it didn't spoon feed them to you but the answers are there and i like that balance they're there but they're they're not they're not obscure or non-existent like david lynch (laughs) but they're also not baby fed to you like Like, here's a show about the devil that we're going to basically just tell you everything that you need to know in order to enjoy the next episode um, yeah. Uh, that is a dig against Lucifer, which is a shitty show to anybody who's out there watching this. Uh, anyways, it, you know, I it's, know it's, it's, I just find it funny that it's, it's essentially the devil in a police procedural. 
it's I don't get it. I don't understand it. They they literally just cashed in on Neil Gaiman's name. That was it. And not like it has nothing to do with the actual DC uh-huh. comic book besides the fact that it contains the character Lucifer. That's it. Uh, but it it could be any other police procedural out there. Uh, it could be it's it's basically the devil does NCIS. Um, yeah. Yep. And this is, this is why it's on Netflix again. Um, and this, this is just shitty TV lately. It's just, this is shitty TV. Just, there's nothing worth the time and effort to actually tune in. And I think people are aching for something. Who knows? Maybe that's why like a show like lost will be just one of those yeah, one in a million shows. I've been I've been enjoying the expanse a lot. Which like I know you were three. like you lost interest in that, but so far uh I am four episodes in I think three. When they I'm when they killed it. Thomas Jane's oh, character, I'll I got tired. Going. I was like, ah, done. Um Yeah. So that, that was in season two. So alright, we're lost. I mean tired we started like, to deal with it. That's fair enough. All right, I have to get up in the morning. Um, well, this was fun. It wasn't. We didn't. Uh, we didn't go as deep as I was hoping. But I, uh, well, I don't what, know how deep. How, where, uh, where, what depth did we not plumb here? Why do you I think it's not a good show? Why? For one, that? I don't think that the stakes were ever high enough. You cannot convince me other. And I may get through this and maybe changed. But as of right now, I've watched it. This is be, this will be my third watch through, and. In those two watch-throughs, I have never seen the stakes actually really be told as to why I should care enough about what happens on this island. I know that they get off of it and they want to get back on it because of this law, this feeling that they're this this aching that they that they're missing something. Which, if you equate to like a Christian kind of standpoint, we're always aching to get back to the Garden of Eden. So it's that's an interesting like you could you could raise some like Christian stakes to that right? Yeah, and and in the sense of yeah. the show though, it has and they're missing that they destiny. destiny. They're stuck. Fulfill. But um, um y- yes, um, but I, I know what you're referring to simply because there was actually a fair bit, and I was somewhat on board with this a fair bit of sympathy for the man in black and how yeah. he speaking of a tragic character. Yeah, Man in Black really got a raw deal. He was so it's hard. He was the one hard that his, that the to, mother loved. Like he was the favorite son, and he was killed out of jealousy. It was almost a Cain and Abel story. She killed him, but still, except she killed him, but or thought she killed him, or was at least trying to stop. But he was also, it's really hard to root against him, even when he does become a murdering bastard over the course of his non-life. I guess. Yeah, but and, you don't and, realize and, that, he's, that he, he's wearing a lock suit till later he, in the season anyway. So um, you still think that it's... Yeah, but I'm just talking about the Man in Black. I'm just talking about the Man in Black as a character. As the ultimate antagonist, he's really kind of hard to root against because... You know, Mother and Jacob were both very manipulative, and 
he doesn't really lie to the survivors. He's yeah helps them but, at okay. times. This um, and he's doing it for he is doing it for no purposes. But there there was actually a sub genre of fans, if you will, that were on his side in the whole thing. And it was almost kind of like they were. Yes, you could understand while well, the world will end if he gets off the island. But I mean, the show did do a look, didn't do enough justice to that to make sure that you understood that. Uh, because again, yeah, he was just kind of screwed over. Not in the least of which at birth when yeah mother killed his actual mother don't... And, and Jacobs, but I. Yes, yeah, sorry. The tragic character exists for him. Yes, by all means. Um, but he is he, he's almost, if you think about like the let's root for the man in black, it's almost the same as let's make him the anti-hero the same as Thanos is the anti-hero of uh, Avengers Infinity War, right? Like that same other than his other than his motives are more self-serving, yes. Because he was really, he was almost really just trying to fulfill the same thing he wanted when he was still yeah. a person alive. And he couldn't he believe. The yes. Um, so as far as like tragic backstory, but that's what makes a good villain. You have to give your guy, your villain a tragic. If you just have somebody who's evil, who's just a fucking evil bastard. Mm. That is Siler all that's over. Saturday it. morning cartoon. That's just... He, 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 I will kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, I'm going, whose brains does Siler eat? As you yeah. put it, Siler's murder hour. Right? That's, so. Yeah. And it's, you know, somebody yeah. who's cartoonishly. So you have to give them some character. Yeah. You have to give, you have to round out this person. Except for the Emperor in Star Wars. I can almost feel for the Emperor in Star Wars, all right? So, he just wants to rule the galaxy. He wants order. There's he a, just some, wants order. Some, somewhere on YouTube, you can find a, there's a video about it's about the Emperor, but it's more so about the actors and the portrayal of them, because it's not it, the importance or, the, or not the importance, the okay. effective use of camp is actually what the video is about, with him being the primary example. And it's just you know, everyone else in the Star Wars is, you know, having a you know rough time of it, you know, going through all this. He's having a grand old time. Like he is loving life. the whole yeah. every time you ever see the Emperor, he's chuckling and laughing, like he's enjoying himself. He is he is a cartoonishly evil yeah. villain done right. Um but he's one of the few and far between I'm examples. Think, I'm trying to think of another one. Um because even so, so this is to me. This is like let's talk about the original Spider-Man movies. Um, I would say Norman or Harry uh, uh, Norman Osborn from the first one, the Green Goblin, uh, William Defoe's character, uh, unfortunately is a cartoonish villain. Like, there's really no tragic backstory to him uh, in that movie. Well, there is this. The struggle with its company, and it was it was, but it was tragic really backstory, lit- if you will. Might not not might might not might be the best example of it, but just in the sense that, yeah, yeah. Norman Osborn was a normal person who was dealing with some hard. The Goblin was kind of an yeah. alter, like an alternative personality. 
Yeah, with an alter ego. No, it wasn't really but him. Now take um, Alfred Molina's Doctor Octopus from. So he's a man who's loved, uh, in fact, loved by Peter Parker so much so that he's almost a yeah. father figure to Peter Parker in that film, right? Uh, and the only reason why he turns evil is because he believes that what he's doing has good for society. And so he's trying to prove that his invention works and he refuses to listen to the fact that it's not. Um, Yeah. So take note, people, if you want to be a good writer, listen to these beats of what makes a good villain and what makes a bad villain. Uh, Because when you give your villain a tragic story, they are much more interesting and the audience actually cares more for them. Hence why the second Spider-Man movie, it will always be considered the better Spider-Man. Always, no matter what. Right. And it really comes through with just how you... It, you're more memorable yeah. and more effective when you create that conflict. Let's, in even if you take the third Spider-Man, Eddie Brock could have been the perfect tragic villain in the Spider-Man mythos. Because in the comic, he he has that. that was, and that was just, that was a perfect example Sony of, you know, fucking it studio up interference and all that. Yes. Um, and so let's take the new Spider-Man films. And, and again, you have the very new ones, I should say, the, the, uh, uh, Far From Home and um, uh, Homecoming. Uh, even the Vulture in that movie, uh, in the first one, uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture. Again, you have this really great, well-rounded villain. He's been shit on by society, or at least he feels like he has. And so he's, he's literally just doing something He's making these weapons. Fine, we'll give him the fact that he's making weapons. Uh, that's that's horrible. But he's doing it because he's basically been shut out from doing his trade uh, and helping to be part of the cleanup and rebuild rebuilding process. Um, and so he decided to kind of one up the whole government and say, "Fine, I'll just do things on the on the on the sly." Um, and when you think about it, he's really just a family man who's trying to to in a bad way, <laughs> I don't want people to think that I'm 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 for gun running, uh, but but in a bad way, he's really no. trying to provide for his family and his family's well being. Um, he just goes. It, he's the Walter White of the Marvel universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's what we're gonna. He's the Walter White of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Mysterio, just he's just an. I actually. I, I, Honestly, I don't know if I could if I could get behind Mysterio and the Peter Parker. And the, and this is why I, I think the, the Spider-Man Homecoming is the superior one, is because at least the car- the the villain is a little bit more lovable, a little bit more relatable. So, so love the, the honest trailer they made like Vulture, eh, whatever villain, <laughs> Michael Keaton, terrifying, yeah. like. Oh, he was way scarier as, as the actual the vulture. than he was as the vulture. <laughs> Especially when he's Man. driving Peter and the prom date in the car. And all of us, all of us guys, I don't know exactly. about you, John, but I've had moments of that being chaperoned by the date's father in the car. 
um, and the sheer amount of terror uh, I felt uh, and the, I'm going to have a talk with <laughs> Peter here. I'm going to have a talk with Steve. Why don't you go enjoy yourself for a few minutes? And uh, Steve will join you very shortly. Um, <laughs> I have been on the receiving end of those talks. Uh, I don't know if you have, John, uh, but uh, they are not. Uh... Uh, kind of when I was really? my wife. Heather's dad was like that? Mind you, she was already knocked up at the time. A little bit. Not, no. No, like when ah, I okay, okay. So you 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 met the family early in the process, all right? Dad, early in the process. I didn't realize that. Dad. I thought I thought that you had not met family. I, I thought you had not met anyone in the family until uh, things kind of moved, progressed in the direction that they did. No, but I didn't was, only meet. Was him it once a shotgun meeting? That was, yeah. It was in a public place, so that was good. All right. Let that be a lesson as well, guys. When you meet the father for the first time, make sure that it is in a public setting and never just at the house. So make sure that she's not inviting you over for dinner. Mm. Uh, so funny funny story. Yeah, that, yeah. Where, I guess we're, so we're just going to end this after this funny story. So, <laughs> but yeah, John. So she... Breaks the news that she's pregnant to her family and all that. And I had that discussion. And I actually first had that discussion with her father Ouch. on the phone, which was uncomfortable. But so then the weekend rolls around and I am going over to visit and I take the ferry across. And she had gotten a little part-time job. So she's at work. So first I had to wait at the ferry station for like two, two and a half hours. And this was before smart, before smartphones. So, it's not like I could just completely mess around on a yeah. phone. I could play like Snake or something like that. But anyway, um, so then her dad picks me up without her, and it's an hour and a half from the ferry station to their house. So he has met me in person one time before, and we have spoken on the phone one time after he finds out that I knocked her up. And then she's not there with him when he comes to pick me up. So I had a very, very awkward hour and a half car ride conversation with my, at the point, he was still just her father at the point. He was not yet my future father-in-law. And to top it all off, this was my birthday. Yeah. And I, we, uh, so we, we stayed up late that night, you know, she came back and we spent time together and we sitting in the living room talking in front of the TV and all that stuff. And they were just talking about random stuff, getting to know each other. And at this point it had just passed midnight. It was right about this time that night. And her mother just slapped her. So John, when is your birthday? And it was, and she, at this point, like we're on the couch and she's leaning against me, like on my chest, like she put her feet up on the couch and she's kind of, I'm just kind of up all the way on the side of the couch, and she's kind of right here laying against me with, you know, my arm around her shoulder and everything. And I was like, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. It actually ended about 10 minutes ago. And she looked back at me like, what? Like, because, yeah, no happy birthday or anything, which, you know, granted, we've been dating for a while. Yeah. Like, my, my birthday passed with no, 
no recognition. And a very awkward conversation with the, hey, guy, I got your daughter pregnant. And uh, what has it been, 15, 20 years later, and there's probably still no birthday recognition. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm an asshole. That was... That was... years ago. Yeah, because I, I was, years I was ago, the best yeah. man in your wedding, so... I've had some good birthdays. And, like I said, yep. life is cyclical for me. It just so happens that I was out there while things were on the rocks for you, just as I was out there as things were uh, beginning for you. And um, in both cases, I was going through a bad breakup. So life is cyclical for Steve here, my friend. Life is cyclical. Um, man, it's life. That sucks, man. All right. That's the story. All right. That's, um, that's the story. Then I ended on a sour note. So that's all right. Nobody's listening. Nobody listens to our Zoom calls anyways, to our... Happy hour meetups. Um, maybe one of these days we'll actually make money off of this. Until then, I'm still in crypto and stock. So who knows? Um, John. <laughs> and I'm in land and guns. John's will pay off before mine will pay off. Especially if there's like an apocalypse <laughs> that happens in the next uh because nobody's going to want to like deal with stock and shit like that. Everyone's going to want to run to lands so that way they can bunker down, hunker down, and you know survive the apocalypse. Not this guy. This guy will end up in Denver dead. I don't know. Um, anyways, John, it has been fun. All right. I think have for, a good night. Your evening. It's been. We will do this again soon. <laughs> Thank you. Everyone, good night. All right.